Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern Podcast. My name is Paul Scott Sharinsky, and I'm here with my co-host, Anna. Hey, Paul Scott. How are you? I'm good. Uh, big week because Friday we have a huge organ recital. Yes, it is Daniel Sansone's inaugural organ recital. So it's November 10th. It's at seven o'clock. It's going to be one hour long. Um, Normally we don't sort of publish when things start and when they end, but Daniel is very meticulous. He knows exactly the length of all the pieces. And so he says it's going to be an hour and then there'll be a reception in the session house. I bet he's been practicing a lot then, or he will Yes, which is fun for all of us. Nice. What else is going on at the church? I know we got Lloyd's thing was next week, right? Right. Lloyd Griffith, our parish associate, he is a Presbyterian minister but a parish associate's a slightly different position. It's sort of more hired than called. So that means he's retiring, but he's still a part of this church and Seal is a member. So it's not like you won't see them again, but he is retiring as parish associate. So we are going to honor him during the worship service, as well as with a reception afterwards in the session house. That's great. And the, yeah. Okay. The 11 o'clock service. 11 o'clock service. We also have two baptisms next week. Um, We have a baptism this week. We've got between now and the first Sunday in December, there are five baptisms happening. And then I'm surprised that you're here uh, today because I remember Vaughn (laughs) was here one time subbing for you and it happened to be the Sunday that stewardship began and he made made jokes about it. But uh, stewardship is happening, right? It is. And it's sort of a a soft open. So today um, I talk a little bit about stewardship, the stewardship packets, which are actually just a regular size envelope this year. It's not a big envelope. Those get mailed tomorrow as well as emailed. Um, We are dedicating pledge cards on November 19th when we have a guest preacher. So so this year, I have the guest preacher at the end, and I'll be here. But um, my former boss, Bob Dunham from Chapel Hill, is has agreed to come and fill the pulpit on the 19th. So we're really excited about that. Cool. Well, lots of stuff going on. Super exciting. Do you want to come in on the Halloween buckets in we my are office? in your office uh, Sunday between services. And yes, there are jack-o'-lantern pails full yes. of candy. And these are for the preschoolers, right? Yes. On Tuesday, the preschoolers will trick-or-treat and all the office staff um, will have treats for them. I am, um, I I demand, well, (laughs) you may ask the staff, they may disagree with this. I feel like I demand only a very few things. And one of them is that I get to go shopping for all of the preschooler Halloween treats. So every staff member will have a different bucket to hand out and their pencils and their erasers and their little snakes and their fruit snacks and there's chocolate. So every preschooler will get a mix of things. I think the diversity. And then do you want to know about my costume? Oh, what is your, what's your costume? I'm going to be a pumpkin. Oh, I got a pumpkin hat and an orange shirt and I'm super excited. Okay, well, maybe next year. Okay, one time, my mother, who is basically <laughs> the foundation of everything that I became to be. Yes. Uh, she was a retired teacher. She used to run we'll a have preschool. We'll that another time, I by mean, the way. it's very true. But uh, she had, at her preschool, she had an ugly bug ball party. <gasps> and it was, I think, I don't, I don't think it was around Halloween, but whatever. And she came dressed as a caterpillar, of course. And yes. then mid-party, she pulled this huge cocoon thing, like a hula hoop with the thing and then up over. And then, oh, she had disappeared. For, and she had to practice a lot at home. I remember her practicing. And for like, you know, two minutes later, she emerged a butterfly. Oh. In the front of everyone. Wow. Yeah. Mama Chernitsky. Wow. 
Wow. So uh, okay, anyways. so my pumpkin seems slightly less. Yeah. Impressive so I was like, hmm? oh, pumpkin. <laughs> okay, cool. You go. I support you. I got a hat, Paul Scott. Okay, we'll talk to my mom. We'll get that worked out for next year. Okay, uh, everyone. We hope you have an exciting week, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks. Before we turn to our prayer for illumination, I want to share with you that yesterday the Presbytery of New Hope met in Goldsboro. And it was a great meeting, lots of good things happened, but I would like to tell you about two of the really good things that happened. One is that we formally welcomed the Reverend Patrick Ryan as a member of the Presbytery of New Hope. So that was a very joyful, he is now a part of the Presbytery. We will formally install him as our associate pastor on January 14th, but that was certainly a good celebration. And second, we also celebrated elders who have served the Presbyterian Church for 25 years. And there are three members of this congregation who have been elders for 25 years this year. Fossey Lathan, Kathy Warren, and Drew Wilkins. So that is also worth celebrating. It was a good day. Yes, yes, you can have yes. Let us pray. Bless us, O oh God, with ears to hear your truth, vision to discern your path, and feet ready to move into action. Open our minds and our hearts to the reading of your word and the honest proclamation of your truth. Ready us to respond to the Spirit's call. We ask it in your name. Amen. Our reading today does come from the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Now, the New Revised Standard Version is in the bulletin, but I will be reading from the Common English Bible. I found it just a little bit easier for me to understand what Paul is trying to say. As you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, our visit with you wasn't a waste of time. On the contrary, we had the courage through God to speak God's good news in spite of a lot of opposition, although we had already suffered and were publicly insulted in Philippi, as you know. Our appeal isn't based on false information, the wrong motives or deception. Rather, we have been examined and approved by God to be trusted with the good news, and that's exactly how we speak. We aren't trying to please people, we're trying to please God, who continues to examine our hearts. As you know, we never used flattery, and God is our witness that we did not have greedy motives. We didn't ask for special treatment from the people, not from you or for others. Although we could have thrown our weight around as Christ's apostles, instead, we were gentle with you, like a nursing mother caring for her own children. We were glad to share not only God's good news with you, but also our very lives, because we cared for you so much. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right now, we are in the middle of four weeks of sermons of worship that is focused on Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. If you were not in the sanctuary last week or worshiping online or listening to the sermon on the podcast or 
reading the sermon text on the worship archive page of our website. I hope that you'll take some time this week to do that so that you can experience Patrick's sermon from last week where he talks a little bit about how we are God's accomplishment and to be reminded of what can happen when we are monastic in our pursuits and let go of that desire for endless browsing. I find it fascinating as we delve into 1 Thessalonians to remember that if we were to put all of the books in the New Testament in order of when they were written, this letter to the Thessalonians would be the very first book of the New Testament. It is the earliest thing that we have that was written to talk about Jesus and the early church. Scholars estimate this was written about the year 51 CE, which is as close as we will ever get to writings about Christ and the early church. And Paul here reminds us that it was revolutionary. It changed everything. And not everyone received the good news Paul came to share with joy or openness. In fact, many rejected it, didn't want to hear it. And so this section of the letter is trying to continue to lay the groundwork. They had visited, but they want people to know that this new thing, it's okay to embrace it. And why do they feel called to share it? Paul wanted them to know that this came not from Paul. This was not his desire. It was God's desire. And he wanted them to hear what God had to say. It's easy, I think, to forget just how radical this idea of the one God who loves us and forgives us and grants us grace truly is and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, that's true today as well. But sometimes with the passage of time, we forget the risks and the courage that people showed in generations before. Paul is clear about this. Yes, it took great courage. Yes, their very lives were at risk. But he makes no ambiguities about this. It is God's courage that enables him to do this. Paul is not the hero. He is a disciple who wants to follow God and rest in God more than he wants anything else. He wants what God wants more than what he wants. What those early apostles did took courage, and they write about it. We had the courage through God to speak God's good news in spite of a lot of opposition. Courage to speak God's good news. When we look in the rearview mirror, sometimes we tend to take for granted the sacrifices and the courage of the saints who paved the place to where we are now. We fail to appreciate the courage that has been shown historically. Today is a Sunday when we often talk a little bit about the Protestant Reformation. I think about what it took for Martin Luther, the author of the first hymn we sang this morning, what it took when he nailed the theses on the door and called people to go back to Scripture saying that we had gotten too far away from the actual word of God and he wanted people to be able to read what was in those words and not an interpretation of it. 
or John Calvin, the father of Presbyterianism, the story is told that when it was no longer for safe for him to stay in Paris, he escaped. Sometimes courage is escaping and living to proclaim another day instead of standing up. And he had the courage to escape through a window going down bed sheets, the story is told, and then left Paris disguised as a farmer with a hat and a hoe. And for three years, as he wrote the first edition of the Institutes of Christian Religion, he did so traveling using different names so that he would have time to proclaim what God had given him to proclaim. People who had courage, who transformed our faith, we would not be here now were it not for them. They wanted what God wanted more than what they wanted. They wanted God's will more than their own will. We can look back and we can see so many examples of courage, but I don't want you to think that that's all historical. There is courage. I see courage in our midst, in the church, in congregations all the time. And honestly, it blows me away, the courage some of you have. Parents who allow their children to come forward for the time with children without being able to control what they're going to say or how they are going to respond. More seriously the teenager with anxiety and depression who completes their inpatient treatment and then goes to school for a whole day. And a few months later, aces a research project. That's courage. A young adult who has disordered eating and yet has the courage to sit down and eat a meal with their friends around table. The veteran who will speak openly about their PTSD and ask for help. A 50-year-old man who is finally able to be honest with himself and the people he loves about his sexuality. A parent who does not shy away from talking about the things that took the life of their child in the hopes that nobody else would ever have to experience that pain. A woman who moves across the country to live with her sister, away from everything she knows, trusting that she rests in God's arms. You don't have to look very far to see that there is courage all around us, and it is amazing. But we also know that here, Paul is speaking of a particular kind of courage. This is a particular kind of courage to which we are invited. Here, Paul invites us to live out the gospel courageously, The gospel, which will always be countercultural, to value what we give away more than what we save, to proclaim that rest has its own value. It doesn't have to produce anything or make us more productive. Rest has its own value. To know, as Dorothy Day said, that I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. The gospel is always countercultural. And Paul challenges us this morning how do we have the courage to live out the gospel, to want what God wants more than what we want, to trust God more than we trust ourselves. In 1999, the United States women's soccer team won the World Cup. 
The win that event was sealed by Brandy Chastain making a penalty kick for the goal that won the game. If you remember this moment, you might remember what I do, that in the celebration, she ran down the field, tore off her shirt, put her arms in the hair. It was victorious. It was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It is seen as one of the most iconic sports photos of all time. But there's a part of the story I didn't know until more recently, and that is that Chastain made that game-winning goal by kicking with her left foot. That's significant because Brandy Chastain is right-handed, right-footed. And in an entire history of her playing soccer, she had never made a penalty kick with her left foot. So why did she do it that day? Well, her coach had been studying tapes of the opposing team, and he realized that they were used to her taking kicks with her right foot. And so before she went in to make that penalty kick, he told her, kick it with your left foot. She'd never done that before, but she did it that time. And I can only imagine that in our world where sometimes we are encouraged to be so independent, it might have been tempting to ignore her coach's advice and do it the way she had always done it. But everything was riding on this kick and she trusted her coach and she made the goal that won the game. I believe what Paul is doing here is inviting us to trust our coach, to show this same kind of courage, to trust the coach who created us and redeems us and sustains us. Next Sunday, we will observe All Saints Sunday. And when we do, we will proclaim, we will lift up the names of those in our midst who have died in the last year, the saints in our midst. Those are not the only saints, of course. I'm particularly thinking today about the 13 saints whose names line these walls, who in Newburn saw a place, a piece of land, where there was no church, where there was no congregation, and over 200 years ago had the courage to proclaim that this should be a place where the good news is proclaimed, and they set about to make that happen. You know. Congregations, communities like this do not just happen. It takes courage, it takes sacrifice, it takes devotion. It takes people showing up with their time and their talents and their treasure. And we are here because of the courage that those people showed and those who followed. More than bravery, a deeper courage that comes from faith. This week is also the beginning of our stewardship season. Stewardship packets will be mailed and emailed on Monday. I hope that you will take the time to read all of the material and pray about it as we prepare to dedicate pledges on November 19th. And a part of that, I hope you will consider how we are the recipients of people who showed great courage. Courage for the generations to come. Courage so that we could proclaim this morning God's love for Etta Louise O'Daniel. As we do for Palmer and Willa May, Jack and Ava and Joseph and Patty and so many more. So that we can continue to say we had the courage through God to speak God's good news. Y'all have answered that question so many times with a resounding yes, I know this year will be the same. My only hope is that it is even louder, even stronger.
so that we can want what God wants more than what we want. To have the courage of someone like Paul. For as I heard yesterday, if you cannot be an ocean, be a river. If you cannot be a river, be a pond. If you cannot be a pond, be a puddle. If you cannot be a puddle, be a drop. Wherever that courage is, I hope it finds you so that we can continue to proclaim the good news of God. Amen. Friends, let us go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve God. And may the God of hope fill us with such joy and peace in believing that we abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.